young America, we need to talk. You may think this is uncool, you may even think it is bogus, but I want to tell you about something that has everyone buzzing, something that concerns mature boys and girls just like you, something called grassroots. This is Aaron Ashley Simon. This is Brandon Killaby H. Hall. And welcome to another episode of Grassroots Podcast, where we tell stories about your past, your present, and your future. And your future. And your future. And We've yeah. been working on that intro. I'm happy about it. Yeah. <laughs> it I had to switch good. it up a little bit. Yeah. I had to switch it yeah. up a little bit so people could really understand. Aaron's like, like the intro guru queen like <laughs> listen y'all got it on lock i just leave it up to her <laughs> <laughs> we have an awesome guest here who is amazing in hamilton and empire new edition new edition for, for the love of music this yeah. is just an everything everything everything, everything. we working y'all we work everything uh kind sir introduce yourself hey what's going on y'all i'm brian terrell clark um i'm really happy to be here um not not so much because of you know the things that i've accomplished but i feel like this journey as an artist and this journey as a creator is a roller coaster it is a long journey and i feel like i've picked up some things in my journey on the way so it's it's, it's to me imperative that when you learn things you share those things mm -hmm. and um to me that's what today is about so i'm excited to be here with y'all and share some of the things i learned along the way yeah i'm sure it's a lot but um <laughs> <laughs> So, first question I have to ask right out the gate. You know me, Brandon. Yeah. I have, I have a question. Your shirt, it says racism and a line across it. Please, sir, do oh, tell. Yeah. So, um, I started working with uh, one of my business partners last year, and uh, we were doing a lot of arts education. We were working a lot in the city with some of the biggest nonprofits that really help people from who are homeless, um, drug addicted, um, you know, gay and lesbian runaways, um, yeah. kids coming in and out of juvie. Mm -hmm. And we were going into these systems making, you know, giving them arts programming, mm -hmm. you know, doing acting workshops and stuff like that. And um, big old passion of mine because arts, the arts really changed my life. It kind of gave me a voice and kind of got me out of the situation where I was. It kind of always elevated forms of education, mm -hmm. elevated lifestyle throughout my whole yeah. life, you know, coming from Baltimore, Maryland. And uh, so it's, it was it was imperative for me to give back in that way now that I'm living in New York. So I started this program and I had this idea for a fashion line, as most, you know, creative cats do. Yep. <laughs> you know, we're not reinventing the wheel. But for me, it was important that we not just making clothes, yeah. that that uh, we look at the examples of like Tom's or like Warby Parker or like even the Red Campaign. And so we're creating, um, you know, apparel and the funding from the apparel goes to arts education. OK, so uh. what, so we started planning last year. I had no idea that Donald Trump was going to be the president. I had no idea when we were planning this, that one of the first areas of funding that he was going to pull was yeah. from arts education. So the uh, idea to create revenue for arts education that was outside of grants, outside of government assistance, was an idea that I had before I knew we would need it. Mm -hmm. And so now, you know, the shirt that I'm wearing that says racism with a line through it um, is one of our brands. It's uh, from a company that we created called Indefined. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. all about defining yourself from within. Plug, plug, plug. That's dope. <laughs> www.in-defined. And um, all of our funding goes to, you know, 
uh, arts education and, and various charities and organizations in New York. We launched in March, mm-hmm. um, and I don't know where this money came from, but we <laughs> helped to raise $75,000, over $75,000 so Damn. far wow. this year for, for various organizations and charities. And, and it's kind of crazy that when you have an idea for something and your intention and your heart is right behind it, yeah. the resource is just like pile up. Yeah. 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 I gave an award to, to Governor um to Governor Cuomo, to Vice President Biden this year with Help USA. Um we did some some stuff with a company called Restore that helps to pull women out of sex trafficking. It's crazy. I feel like a superhero. And it's and it's deep to know that it just came from the intention of wanting to do good and yeah. creating a product where the funding, you know, helps to do that. So we we rolling. We we making things happen. That's really, really dope. That is. I'm mad I didn't know that shit. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm well, kind of tight. That's why we here talking. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's really that dope though. Yeah, um, and I was telling you this is the juicy, the juicy information. You know, um, I'm going down to um to sing at uh at uh well I was going down to sing at the Bayou Classic this year. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, HBCUs out there, you know, shout out. Um, <laughs> huge game in New Orleans. And I was going as a guest, and then later they asked me to sing the national anthem. And I said, cool, well, I, you guys asked me to come to share my, my brand in Defined anyway, so I'm going to wear the racism shirt. Yeah. And mm-hmm. and it was a big old issue. It was a big mm-hmm. issue with, you know, the school bureaucracy. It was a big issue with NBC, possibly, that's going to be taping this. And, you know, their biggest thing was they didn't want to distract from the game. Their theme this year is, is We Are One and Unity. And we, we created a shirt for the Bayou Classic. Mm-hmm. And, you know, respectfully as an artist and, and even as part of my own brand, I said, you know, I can't go down there responsibly and sing this song and not wear this shirt because yeah. we have to be a part of the conversation. And I think the whole thing about taking the knee is one of the most powerful, peaceful protests I've mm-hmm. ever seen in our generation, mm-hmm. right? When it's done right. When it's yeah. done right. But I think the problem with it is people that don't understand the protest, they don't understand what that taking the knee is. They think you're mm-hmm. anti-veterans. They think you're anti-American. And so I was like, well, cool. I won't take the knee. I'll just wear this shirt and say exactly what we're talking about. Yeah. Essentially what we're talking about is yeah. racism. You can't mm-hmm. get confused about the messaging yeah. in this conversation if I just wear the shirt. Well, that was a little tricky. So I said, you know, respectfully, I will be there. I'll do the coin toss. I'll talk to FanFest. I'll be in every VIP box. We can do all the press. But I don't think um, singing the national anthem is really going to promote unity and promote We Are One because inherent in the national anthem is a level of racism. Mm -hmm. I mean, I said, "Well, well, cool. I won't wear the shirt. I'll just take the knee when I sing the word brave. That's too much. Okay, cool. I'll sing the third verse. Which talks about keeping slaves, mm-hmm. keeping slaves, and slaves. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the the issue with America right now is that you know when it comes to the national anthem, it's exactly what we do in America. We want to ignore the third verse. We want to ignore the parts that are ugly. We want to ignore the parts that are difficult and just sing the pretty parts and mm-hmm. act like they're not there. Mm-hmm. And I think we're in a time right now where, um, you know, whatever your sphere of influence is, you either gonna walk in integrity, okay, or you're gonna ignore the issue, and that's the only way you're gonna sleep at night. Because in a couple of years, when we look back and we say, you know, you had an opportunity to do something or say something that wasn't superficial, mm-hmm. you had an opportunity to take a stand in your integrity, wherever your sphere of influence is, whatever it is you do, um, you're going to look back and say, damn, I did nothing. Yeah. Yeah. And that couldn't be me. So, yeah. Well, I think that that's really dope, um, especially for someone that's been so successful in so many different facets. 
I think it's really, really, really amazing that you chose such a huge opportunity to still showcase what matters the most to you, be it yeah. racism and individuality and just standing up for what you believe in. I, I, I can't imagine how difficult that would be to get such a huge opportunity and then have a great idea of how you want to empower people and then have to kind of essentially say, well, uh, all right, well, this this just ain't for me. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, I feel like if you start compromising on in the beginning, you're going to have to compromise for the rest of your, your career. And I feel mm -hmm. like there are certain things that you choose to compromise on, but integrity is, is one that I'm going to try not to. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's really, really dope. Kudos to you. I mean, yeah, that's man. what we pride ourselves in. We, we, we often yeah. on this podcast, while we like to have fun and joke around, we often do try to talk about real issues like that. And, yeah. and I'm, I'm going to be the serious interview. Yeah. No, no, <laughs> put we, put me in the middle of like some for, wild stuff. Oh, my gosh. No, we, we, we balance it out. I mean, like the interview yesterday, we, we were joking about certain things, but then we also asked, it was a female artist, we asked her, like, have you had to deal with sexual harassment yeah. or even assault? in your career because Whoa. that's a big these thing are, these are real things, so man. we we you know we try to we try to even it out but yeah. we also want to talk about things that need to be talked about yeah yeah man i think the, the the good news about it you know and i'm working on some comedy stuff right now it's funny comedy and drama are so close man drama is about like dealing with the issue and then digging deep into it mm -hmm. i think comedy is about presenting what's real and just laughing about the fact that it's way too real. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, basically. Like so, blackish. Exactly. Yeah, they do a yeah. Great yeah. Job that's exactly. That. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's exactly what it yeah. is. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's what's up. So, because uh, I've always had this question, uh, I just never asked. But I have. Uh, when you're acting, right? You're you're obviously juggling so much between. Uh, you're now on Empire. I don't know if that's premature to say now, but you're on Empire, mm -hmm. Hamilton, mm -hmm. and you, you do a ton of commercials. I see you freaking on every commercial being Super Dad. I see you. <laughs> I, I, be, I be like, look at Brian. I love, but, su love Super Dad. <laughs> yeah, Super Dad is funny. But um, do you ever have like little mind blips where you're like, let's say you're going to go do a show right now on Hamilton, but mm -hmm. then and you're in character dress, but you slip up and get into the wrong character and be like <laughs> someone out of like Yo, Empire or something. I mean, any, anybody out there that's always thinking about a mil million things and always kind of <laughs> juggling a million things, yeah. I don't care what you do, you always got to take a moment to be like, let me focus real quick. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's kind of like a, a blessing and a curse. I'm one of those people that's naturally always thinking like five miles down the road. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, naturally, I'm, I'm always, I'm just a forward thinker. Yeah. So it, it, takes, it takes a lot of concentration to just be like present. Like, gotcha. I'm here with y'all right now. But, mm -hmm. like, I got this thing I got to finish right, and I got a meeting on Sunday. I got to yeah. go back and do a show tonight. Uh, after that, I got a little pr quick press thing. I got I to, gotta like, go and say hey to these people. And then I got to go to my, my best friend's birthday party and just swing through the end of it so I don't feel like a bad best friend. Yeah. So I can at least say hey. Yeah. So it's like all those things are going on. But, but I feel like they'll get done. Mm -hmm. They'll get done. So when it yeah. comes to playing roles, it's like, let me be present. Let me, you know, look my, my co-star in the eye. Let me yeah. be in this moment. And then we'll be in the next moment when we get there. That's dope. yeah. That's really dope. I always wondered that. I was like, yo, for someone, especially with big roles that, that you're a part of, like you have a leading role in Hamilton. That's a hard one. I'm going to be honest. And and that's, that's what my thing is. Yeah. I don't see, I'm, I, I get how you do it, but, and, 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 and that's outside looking in. Yeah. But to have that, and Empire and, and em everything else, yeah. Is like, wild. And uh, and he's a recording artist. A lot of I don't know yeah, if a lot of people. He too, he yeah. records music like oh, wow. bodies of work. Like goes You're to a the studio man. and I, yes, yeah, I'll take it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he goes. I'll take it. He is an artist of artists. I, I, so um, I can only imagine in just my you know little yeah. life of what I'm juggling all the time. I can only imagine 
adding 10 other things on there that require time and and focus and memorization and yeah. and, and characterization like I, I can't imagine what that's like yo so. it's this great um, my mom was a pastor right so like <laughs> it's this great scripture that talks about it's like a parable and, it, and you know he's talking about these talents right and so like one person was given one talent one person was given two talents one person was given five talents and like mm -hmm. the people with like the five and the two went and multiplied their yeah. talents but the person with the one just held on to that mug and yeah. didn't multiply it. Yeah. And it's like God just like took it. Mm -hmm. And I feel like whatever you've been given, it's your job to multiply it. Now, some of us, we got like five and ten talents. And we're told by the world you got to focus on one thing. No, nah, it's, it's actually your responsibility to go out there and multiply everything that's inside of you. But like when it comes to those people that just have one, I say multiply that one. Rock with that one. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? We just doing what we do. Yeah. Whether you get whether you're doing ten things, whether you're doing one thing. Do it to the best of your ability. Do it with the best integrity that you can, and it's going to multiply. Mm -hmm. That's how I feel. So how did these roles come about? Like, how how did the Hamilton one come about first? And then after, Ooh. how did the Empire one come about? Wow. Okay. And plug Motown, the, the musical. Yeah. he was Marvin yeah. Gaye Motown. Yeah. I done played a lot of people that, like, were alive or are alive. That's that's interesting. That I was, was going to be my I question. Why are you stealing yeah. my question? I was going to ask you if what that's weird. weird. Right, I'm going to stick, stick with the question, but that's that's actually interesting. Once you brought up Motown, I was like, huh, this is this is becoming a theme. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, shout out to all those black actors that's always in the biopic. Mm -hmm. Chadwick. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, yeah. So, like, okay. Let's get into the real about what it means to be an artist, especially in New York. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm i in the biggest show on Broadway to ever be on Broadway. Yep. Playing the first black president. I auditioned for that thing seven times. Wow. Seven times. The last time I auditioned, and it really, you know, not to not to make it crazy, but really it was two sessions. So like, so like two audition rounds. So the first time you go in and they're just kind of pre-screening you. And then you kind of yeah. see like, you know, you know, the head casting directors, you might see the creative team. Then they do like a work session. Then you go in before the creative team and all the producers, right? So I did a yeah. round of that. Uh probably I think either earlier last year or the year before. Then uh, at the time, Chris Jackson, shout out to Chris, yeah. um, he was uh, doing the pilot, I think, of Bull, which is on right now. Mm -hmm. And uh, he was also doing, he was shooting Bull and doing uh, Hamilton at the same time. And I think they oh, thought wow. he was going to leave, but he didn't end up leaving. Mm -hmm. So there was no need to replace. Um, came up again. He's picked up for a second season. Congratulations. And um, he decided to leave the show. So they needed somebody in. So they, they brought me back in. You know, pride and ego will really get you in trouble. <laughs> I just mm -hmm. want to say that because when they called me in to, to come for the second round, I, I told my managers, nah. I think I was having like a midlife crisis or something. I was on the phone with her. <laughs> and I had already gone in for this second round like two or three times. Yeah. And she was like, hey, um, I know you're supposed to fly out to L.A. tomorrow to do like a writing session with your friend or something. Y'all writing a pilot or something. Um, is it possible for you to wait and stay till Monday? And I was like... Wait, what's, what is it for? Like, please tell me that it's because I booked something. Yeah. Not because you want me to go audition for something. Mm -hmm. You want me to change my flight and wait from Wednesday all the way to Monday for a maybe? She was like, yeah. I think it's I think it's going to be important. It's, it's for Hamilton and it's for the producers. And I was like, no, I'm not. I'm tired of this industry dictating where I can go, when I can't go. I'm tired. I can't do it no more. It was one of those things of like being upset over the fact that like, you know, in my industry, there's a lot of variables. There's a lot of maybes. There's a lot of, yeah, we got it. Psych, no, we don't. And I just was in the, in the time and place in my life, especially on that day, where I wanted to make some decisions that felt like I had some sense of control and stability over it, right? Yeah. So that morning, I didn't realize what, this was a weird day. 
I got that phone call the day that we voted. Mm. Mm. So I had voted that morning thinking, you know, Hillary's probably going to be president. Like, you know. Oop. And then I got that phone call from my managing agents and had a little breakdown. <laughs> and, then, uh, and then I was on my way to this viewing party that night. And I never forget it. I got in the shower. And I, I encourage everyone, male, female, cat, dog, to have a little breakdown moment at least once a year. So I'm in the shower. <laughs> and I literally, like, I don't know if it was the song that was playing or, like, what happened. But, like, I felt myself tearing up. And I'm like, you're like, this isn't the soap. This, the, wait, wait, <laughs> this, is, this isn't the soap. This is happening. Oh, this is happening. This is happening. Here we go. <laughs> the ugly cry. Ugly cry, and I don't even know why. Why am I ugly crying right now? In the shower, burst out ugly crying. I get out. I get out. My phone rings. It's my girl Jamie, who I went to um, Temple with, and uh, I say, "Yo, what up, Jamie?" And she busts out crying on the phone, and I'm like, "What's happening today, yo? Like, what's going on?" And she had just gotten a new job at um, JetBlue at the time, and she was crying and she was upset because she had made this big life change and she was working a whole other career and she had gone to JetBlue just to kind of like start over. Every now and then in your life, you need to just like break up, get out of that house, yeah. you know, whatever it is, mm-hmm. and start over. And for her, she was doing JetBlue, and none of her family could make it. So she was she was in tears because she was like, it's not about JetBlue. It was the, f- the fact that this was the new chapter for me, mm-hmm. and nobody that I love can be there. And so I'm telling her my story. She's telling me her story. She goes, oh, hold up, hold up, hold up. I think I got the answer to this because you're my, you're my flight companion. And I was like, what you mean? She's like, you're my flight. You're like my flight buddy. I was like, I don't know what that means. She goes, you can still fly to L.A. tomorrow like you were going to. Fly back to do your audition from L.A. to New York. Do your audition for Hamilton. Fly down here to Florida. Be here with me for my day. And then fly back to L.A. and finish writing whatever you was writing. And mm. all that will cost you free. I was like, wait, I'm confused. She was like, you flying for free, right? You flying for free. <laughs> and I was like, yo, that's crazy. So that's exactly what I did. And what's crazy is right after that, she got fired. <laughs> so I almost feel like, did God just give you that job just so I could get Hamilton? If so, that's, thank, thank you and thank God. Crazy. So that's crazy. So you got her tickets? Yo, I hope you crazy. got her tickets. Yeah, she can get whatever she want. Listen, <laughs> I, got that, I got that job. And it was, so it, was, it was a blessing. So like literally I flew to L.A. the next morning, found out that Donald Trump, Became my president. Yeah. Mm. Uh, did some writing out there. Kind of got myself together. Got a little sun. Got a little ocean. You know what I'm saying? And then came back and and just was focused for my audition. And then went down to Florida and was, you know, there for my friend. And uh, found out that I got the role. That's pretty dope. Yeah. Boom. It's crazy. And now, like, now I'm George Washington. That's going to be like a <laughs> biopic. Like, one of these days, someone's going to do a biopic on you, and they're going to show all that shit. <laughs> yo, I feel like every single thing I do is a crazy story, man. Yeah. Like, even getting, like, my first day on stage, my first day playing George Washington, I'm singing this song called One Last Time, and it was, like, literally when Barack Obama was doing his One Last Time speech in Chicago. Wow. Mm-hmm. So he was doing his final speech as president, his final major speech as president, while I was doing, playing that role for the first time. Mm-hmm. And I looked out at the audience, and I don't know if it's because I'm black, or, and we all just got it at the same time, but I literally heard the audience burst out crying, yeah. and then I started getting emotional too. It was a special day. Mm-hmm. So like, I don't care what happens in my career after this, that day will like never be forgotten. And I feel like I keep having those serendipitous moments in my mm-hmm. life, man. Like, yeah. where you know it's just not because. Yeah. Everything is like for a reason. It's just kind of how my life has been, man. All right. So let's circle back to the question that you kind of answered or thought about again. What is it like playing people that are alive? Like, how, how is that? Yeah, it's, it's hard. It's hard. You know why it's hard? Like, because 
because people have their idea in their head already of who that person is. Mm -hmm. And it's really about how that person makes them feel. And so you have to meet that expectation. You got to meet that memory of them, especially playing Marvin Gaye in Motown. It's like you have no idea how many middle-aged women will come up to me and be like, it was 19 blah, 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 and I saw him, (laughs) and I threw my drawers at that man. You understand? (laughs) So it's about like meeting that expectation, right? Um, But then when you do a bunch of research about them, you learn these things that don't quite fully fit the persona or the superficial persona that people, you know, tend to, to experience of him. So I'll, I'll say it's difficult because of that, but it's also easy because the resource material is there. Mm-hmm. When you're creating a character from the ground up, you're really building that whole house, right? Yeah. And it's like when you're playing, you know, Marvin Gaye or George Washington or in New Edition when I play Terry Lewis, it's like you can research those people. Mm-hmm. There are interviews, there's, there's source material, and so as opposed to building the house, you just need to go in and occupy yeah. the house yeah. that's already built. You know what I'm saying? So how is it as an actor to to play, for example, like someone who is like a different age or a different orientation or just something where it's like you you want to play it right, but you don't want to come in like a stereotype way or a way that may offend. So like how do you how are you able to maneuver and and be able to play someone like play someone who's gay or anything like that? Yeah, I mean, for me, I think it's one of those things where it's like people are people. You know what I mean? It's it's, it's something you learn early, especially like when you're training, right? Is that you can't judge the character. So if I go in and I play a murderer, right? Everybody's moving from their version of what they think is right. Everybody's moving from their version of what they think is, um, you know, some form of a positive action. It gives them something back. Um, All the choices that they make, the way their mind thinks. And I think that... For me, it's about learning how to not judge difference, but how to value difference. And I, mm-hmm. I wish that was something that they taught a little bit more in terms of education. I think we wouldn't have so much sexism, racism, yeah. homophobia if we if we just basically learned, listen, I don't have to do what you do, and I don't have to judge what you do, but I can value the fact that we're different, and we can learn from each other's differences. And I think that that's who I am as a person, mm-hmm. and I think I bring that to the work that I do as an actor. I think for me, it's about finding out who this person is and why their mind works the way it does and then find out how is it that they exist in society. And to be honest, I don't care if you're playing anybody, older, younger, gay, straight, our basic needs are our basic needs. And if you Mm -hmm. can find that within the character and then build around that, then what you'll have is you'll have a a multi-layered human experience watching Mm -hmm. it as opposed to watching some actor play their idea of the thing. Yeah. This, great act, this great acting teacher, Ron Van Lue, I went to Yale School of Drama, and um, Ron Van Lue is like the Yoda of acting teachers. He's been like quoted in all these Oscar speeches. It's crazy. And so I sat down with him, and there's a couple of things I take away from him. One of the things that he said is, most of the acting I see I don't like because I'm watching people play their idea of the thing as opposed to just being the thing. So you go in to play a cop. So I'm, because I'm playing a cop, I think he got he to gotta walk like this, he got to talk like this, he got to stand like this. Nah, bro, I'm a cop because when they look at me, they say officer. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I'm a cop. I'm a cop because I got a badge on. I'm a cop because I'm wearing the uniform. So I don't have to play this idea of the cop. I can go in and just be the cop. And that's what makes your auditions, all you young actors out there, that's going to make your auditions more unique too. Because at the end of the day, there's no other you on the planet. And if mm. you can come in and just be who you are, your audition won't be compared to anybody else's because you're unique. Mm -hmm. If you come in playing the idea of what you think they want, it's going to be a watered-down version of of your greatness, and then you come in being Mm -hmm. two-dimensional and flat. So I say it's about finding the humanity and also finding yourself inside of it. 
That's long, actually really, really answer. dope. That's deep. Now, <laughs> <laughs> now think I told about, them I'm the deep interview. Hey, yeah, I was about to say, Brian's mad deep every time. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, I got to crack a joke here. I'm but, sitting here like taking notes like, wait. <laughs> <laughs> Word. But nah, it's, there's some jewels for it's just yeah. aspiring yeah. actors. It's, no, it I think it's is. good. You know what I'm saying? Especially someone in your plateau to be able to give back and give real insider feedback on what you know these executives and these producers are looking for and, and how to kind of approach it and change your mindset. I think that that's dope. I, bro, I think that's what humanity's looking for yeah. yeah. in what we do as artists. I, mean, I feel like, don't get me wrong, ain't nothing wrong with like every rapper sounding the same or every artist sounding the same. But you, and the thing is, you might get quick money, but you're not gonna make your mark on in history. Yeah, you're not gonna be like known after you die mm -hmm. because you did what the hell everybody else did. I think at the end of the day, if you're an artist, there is something about your perspective that is unique. And if you don't bring your unique perspective to the table, mm -hmm. we are lost on what you have to really deliver. Yeah. And so at the end of the day, you just like being pimped out and prostituted by the industry. And we all know that the music industry is flipped upside down right now anyway. Yeah. So you're not even going to be fulfilled the way you think you're going to be fulfilled doing what everybody else is doing. Like, do you. Mm -hmm. And give us something that we can go, damn, that's different. Damn, that spoke to me. And I yeah. think that that's why people like Cardi B and all of those, you know, there are certain artists that are starting to rise to the top and people are responding to their authenticity. Yeah. That's what people are responding to. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They're responding to who that person really is. Bring that's, that to your work. Yeah. I completely agree. When you're, when you're playing roles, these, these, I'm asking you a bunch of shit that I've always wanted to ask, like <laughs> actors, so it's going to be nerdy, but I don't care. When you're playing roles, do you ever find yourself, like I've heard rumors of like Russell Crowe and like Christian Bale where they get so engulfed into a character that they then kind of lose themselves. Like they have mm -hmm. these outbursts. They have these little moments where they flip out. Mm -hmm. Do you ever find yourself like any character, let's say at the dinner table, and like pass thy bread down, <laughs> the, down the table. Pass thy yes. bread. <laughs> like, do you ever have the last supper? Do you ever have those moments? Man, you know what? Let's can we can we just you know my boy's getting high because I'm about to say something that might be controversial. I mean, I kind of feel like you do what you need to do to get the job done, but a lot of times it's about the technique you choose. There's a lot of method actors out there, and they feel like. Well, because I hate you on on set, or I hate you in this in this movie we're doing, I'm not I'm literally not going to deal with you like the whole time we're working. And I'm saying if that's what you need to do to get the work done, cool. I feel like when you have technique, it's like having a toolbox. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, you don't need all the tools in the toolbox to fix every problem. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. If it's the carburetor, take out what you need to fix the carburetor. If it's the toilet. Take out what you need to fix the toilet. And so depending on what the character is, I feel like there are things that you're going to employ that you don't need every time. So no, like I don't need to necessarily torture myself mm -hmm. and take on the demons of everybody that I play. I think I can venture into that space and then you have to learn techniques for yourself to let it go, let it go. Mm -hmm. and be a human being. Yeah. Because I think that... Um, like I said, you want to bring yourself to the work. You want to take on the information and the world that the character, you know, the, the reality of what the character is. But at the end of the day, you shouldn't be walking around a crazy person just because you're a, an actor. At the end of the day, like, bruh, get a, get a priest, get a therapist, get help. Like, mm -hmm. like do the work, show mm -hmm. up, and then, like, let it go and be you. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of letting go, what was the, the biggest failure that you had to overcome this week. to let go. This week. I've had so many things to let go in life, but I feel like I'm learning that lesson. The biggest thing I've had to let go of is pride and ego. Mm. Pride and ego will F you up every time. It'll F you up in your relationships. It'll F you up in your industry. You got to let go of your pride and ego. I feel like um, 
the long answer is I feel like I spent my 20s trying to figure out who I was. Mm -hmm. And I feel like once you figure out who you are, when you're into your 30s, I think what this journey has been about now in my 30s is about now that I know who I am, what am I here to do? Mm -hmm. What's my purpose? And most of the time when you link yourself up to that purpose, you realize it's not even about you. And so I'll give you a great example. So Empire. Mm Mm-hmm how I got the job for Empire. I had gone in and- Sidebar, you're just taking all of my questions, right? It's all good. That means he's really good at doing Yeah, this is is great. It's all good. I ain't got to ask shit. Go ahead. So so Empire, right? So like, like I'm friends with a lot of people on that show. You know, Trey, the older brother, he went to Yale. Jesse, Mm -hmm. I know from LA. That's like one of my like close friends. Um, I know Gabby now, my boy Terrell, I know from from LA. Um, Felicia Rashad is Mm -hmm. a really good friend of mine. Like really, really good friend of mine. Um, she directed me in a show a couple years ago, and we just, like, hit it off. I'm also friends with her daughter. So, like, going there was, like, family. But the thing is, I've auditioned for that show and been up for roles multiple times that they passed on me for. Mm. So when it was time to come up with this role, um, it's a really interesting transitional season for them. That is an, a, it's a groundbreaking show in that it came out at a time where that voice for black people on television w- was non-existent. Mm-hmm. I mean, we grew up at a time where, like, we had all the shows. I yeah. mean, we had multiple, multiple. It was Martin, Living Single. Like, the list went on mm-hmm. and on. Family Matters, Family Matters. Mad we had shows. all of the shows. But, like, when Empire came along, there really wasn't a, a lot of black shows on television. Mm-hmm. And um, I feel like there's been an up and down in terms of, like, you know, viewership and things like that. Still number one show on Fox. And so, you know, when I was up for these roles... I kept getting passed on them, and and by the time this other role came around, um, in this transitional season, season four, um, I, they just offered it to me, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Wow!" And I'm and I'm playing Jesse's like best friend. Okay, but that's real talk industry. Yeah. He was going to be a singer. Then they turned him into like a producer, DJ, rapper. Now he's like a, a producer, but he's engineering the session. So I got up there not knowing what to expect because so much stuff was in flux mm-hmm. as TV goes. Yeah. So I went up there and flew up there like twice to shoot one episode. Mm-hmm. Second time I got up there, y'all, I almost, lo- I almost lost it because I had a scene with Forrest Whitaker. Ooh. Ooh. Legend. Yo. Yeah. Legend. Shout out to... Legendary. <laughs> to the legend that is Forrest Whitaker. And man, like, I'm sitting up there and I'm, sh- you know, I'm, I shot the scene the week before the couple weeks before and now I'm back again to finish that episode and I shoot this scene with Forrest Whitaker I throw this this viewing party one of my friends is like yo you should do a viewing party yeah um again serendipitous moment I'm playing this producer and they're remixing a Lucius Lyons song right mm-hmm. I'm, I'm up there I press the button we're rehearsing the scene and when the track comes on I realize that the track that they're playing is my homeboy's track here in New York that I work with oh, oh wow shit. So, and we didn't even know so I'm playing a producer that's making music, and the music that's playing in the freaking room is my homeboys that homeboys. I make music with back in New York. Wow. It was my first day on the show and his first song on television, period. Wow. That's dope. That's dope. Crazy. God moments, right? That's dope. That's, that's why I believe sign. in God. That's Stuff a sign. Like that, right? Yeah. So I do that. So that's the first moment. Then I got the scene with Forrest Whitaker. We're going to have this viewing party. It's about 50 people. I was on vocal rest from Hamilton anyway. We was going to turn up. Yeah. The World Series happened. So they ain't show the episode. I'm uh, like, ah, I got to cancel this party. No more caterer. No more open bar. Tell my homeboy that's got the dope loft laid out. <laughs> you ain't nobody coming. And so they's like, it's cool. It's cool. You know, maybe we'll do something next week. So by the time we got to the next week and they were going to air the episode, which is past week, yeah. I was like, something in my spirit was like, nah, 
like, keep it chill. Like, go do your show. Be on Broadway. Be on TV at the same time. Y'all, talk about letting go. Pride and ego. I'm watching this episode when I get home. <laughs> I had two big scenes that I flew up there twice to shoot. They cut that thing down to one line. Oh. No scene with Forrest Whitaker. No scene in the studio. I mean, I'm, I'm like in the studio like this. <laughs> but I get it. Like, like sometimes you have to switch the storyline. Sometimes you have to shift things. Um, there were some actors that were sick. They, like, there was a lot going on, on around that episode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And for the second half of the season, you know, those amazing writers on that show are, are tweaking some things. So you, you, you have to get used to things changing and being malleable. And so for me, like what was probably going to be on television, one of my favorite scenes that I've done with one of my favorite actors, yeah. mm-hmm. wasn't even seen. Oh, wasn't man. even seen. And so when you realize it's not about you, it's about purpose, then you look for the blessing. So let me tell you what the other blessing was. I get up there, I'm rocking in the car, I'm listening to some music that Jesse's working on, and I'm letting him hear some stuff that I'm working on here. And he fell in love with this song that I wrote. And so I, I don't know if this is too premature, so what I'll just say is we're working some things out, but Jesse has recorded... The, one of my songs, mm-hmm. and wow. it's it's probably gonna be his next single. Oh, for real? Ooh! Yeah. That's alert, alert! That's dope. Yeah, That's dope. fire! Yeah. And and and, uh, and I've heard some of the stuff. It's it's he got some heavy hitters. So for me to be on the record with all of these like really well known writer producers, mm-hmm. that's awesome. And to be kind of not even really known for that is a is a gift and a blessing, man. So like, all things work together for the good. It might look like. You know, you're, you're, you're dying for, to something, but I say die to live. Whatever you got to die yeah. to, whatever you got to let go of, let go of the fear of letting go. Because once you let go, then you can embrace what's next. You yeah. can open your hand up for, for you know, more to come to you. And that's been my whole life story, man. Mm-hmm. So letting go of pride and ego. We were yeah. just talking before the interview, but, like, I feel like this year has been the biggest year of letting go for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and the more I let go of pride and ego, it's like right now I can literally have the idea of a thing and the yeah. resources come to me Yeah, because I'm just open, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But you can, it's hard to do that when, when it's all about you and it's all about your pride and your ego. And I think you got to investigate that stuff because this industry will eat you alive. Mm-hmm. If the only reason you're in it is to be famous, then really it's about attention. So why in your life have, do you feel like you need attention? Is it because you're spoiled? And you just got too much pride and ego? Is it because you didn't get attention when you were younger? And so if that drives you in this industry, the industry will eat you up and spit you out. Because, mm-hmm. yeah. because the industry is not a human being. Yeah. It's not actually created to love you back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's the problem. I think, I think a lot of artists step into the business side of this and are disappointed because they expect it to treat them like a human being. This industry is not a human being. You better keep your relationships intact. Yeah. People get snobby. People mm-hmm. get real tricky with money. People get real. You all know what I'm saying. Yep. Yep. And it's tricky because the industry will not love you back. And you will think it does for a second till you look up and you're alone. So learn how to let go of that pride and ego. Do the work from a positive place. And, and let's get this. Yeah. That's what it should be about. You need to write a book. You know what? You need to. You the first big, things. big, famous thing I'm going to Pull I, it I into do, the universe. Then I'm going to write a book because then it'll sell. <laughs> 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 then, I, then I'm going to write a book. You it's going to be way. like some like Joel Osteen version of like oh, positive affirmations for every day. <laughs> I was about to say for black people. Yo, for my black. Spirit, yo yeah. real talk, my spirit animal is Oprah. So, and mm. I met her too. So like that's that's what it's going to be. You know yeah. what's crazy? That's my spirit animal. That's why for we real? get along. 
Yeah. That's what it is. Hey. All right. No, no, yeah. no. All right. All right. That's fine. <laughs> 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 All right. That's fine. Right, right, right. Um, so I have a question. I don't, I, I'm going to ask Angela Bassett. Yeah. God mommy. God mommy. What is that like? Do you, how is it getting tips from her? Because I'm sure outside of being your godmother, she also gives you advice on just life and, and your career. How is that experience? What is that like? Yo, I feel like everybody needs a mentor. I feel like there's nobody in this life that goes to the next level in any area yeah. without somebody helping to usher them into that, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So, like, let me tell you the story about, like, why we call each other Godmother and Godson. So, like, my second year at Yale, I did this play. First of all, like I said, I'm from Baltimore. I come from a mom who's a teacher and a dad who is, like, a drug dealer mm-hmm. <laughs> slash... <laughs> don't get hooked on your own supply <laughs> drug addict right yeah. so like that's what I'm from mm-hmm. yeah. so I got both of those inside of me too right yeah. so you end up at a place like Yale and it's like mind blowing mm-hmm. and so for the summer I got an opportunity to go to London and do a program or go to Minneapolis yeah. and do a program and yeah. my black ass was going to London like yeah. I had never been out of the country yeah. I was like I'm going to London and I got this call from from this amazing theater called the Guthrie in Minneapolis and they said hey listen we really we really love what you do we really love your work we want to give you an extra incentive don't just come do the summer program we want to put you in the main stage production and the leads of the production are Courtney Vance and Angela Bassett Mm-hmm. Okay. Crazy. And I hope Courtney doesn't mind me sharing this, but you know, this spiritual thing is real. So, like, I don't know why we were in rehearsal, and I don't know why one day I just started praying for him. I could just feel it. I was like, I'm supposed to pray for him. I don't know what's going on. And he started to lose his voice. And one day he came to me in rehearsal, and I was like, Yo, how's things going? You know, how's, how's the work coming? He's like, You know, I'm losing my voice. And he looked at me and he squinted his eyes and he's like, You've been praying for me. I was wow. like, Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And he was like, I can feel it. I appreciate that. Since that moment, me and Courtney, me and Angela, they like just took me under their wing. And like I went back to Yale to finish my last year. And and like Courtney and, and Angela will be calling me, texting me, coming up to see shows. Like they really were mentors for real. Mm-hmm. Um so when I graduated, I went out to I went to LA like right away. I got this this manager that was blowing so much smoke up my butt like you're gonna be the next Sydney Portier and you're gonna be this and that and I got this opportunity to audition for Fences mm-hmm. mm. and they were doing Fences with Angela Bassett as Rose and Lawrence Fishburne mm. as Troy Emotional. and I was gonna play their son and my managers at the time were like yeah we don't do we don't do theater I said I'm gonna be the only no name person in this thing, and it's Lawrence Fishburne and Angela Bassett. Have you not seen what's love got to do with it? I yeah. gotta be in this cast. And they're like, yeah, we don't we don't do theater. So I called Courtney, and Courtney was like, Don't worry about it. I'll talk to the casting director. I'll get you in the room. And this is another key thing for people out there who are looking for a handout. The opportunity for somebody to come along and open the door for you is actually not as hard as you think it is. What are you coming in the door with? That's the question. And I feel like as artists, you focus so much on the come up that you don't focus on the work. And that's why I love Courtney and Angela, because for them, it's always been about the work. It's actually one of the first bit of advice that Angela gave me. She said, make sure it's always about the work. Always focus on the work. So long story short, when Courtney said, I got you an audition, it was fast. I didn't have time to like play. So I went in. I delivered, thank God, and then my callback, I didn't even know it was with Lawrence Fishburne because I was focused on the work. I wasn't like focused on who was going to be in the room. I come in for my callback. It's Lawrence Fishburne in the room. I'm, I'm shaking, and they're like, do you have scene, I don't know, like scene two or scene three? I was like, no, nah, they only gave me uh, scene one, <laughs> and Fishburne looked at me. He grabbed me by my arm, and he said, it's okay. I didn't know we were doing that scene either. 
we just gonna figure it out together, brother. And we killed it. And, and I did the show. Nice. Now what became tricky was when we would hang out, because I'm her son in the show, if she was like, son, blah, 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 blah. I was like, ma, blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. People would be like, is that your son? Oh, uh -huh. Angela Bassett's your mother? No, Angela Bassett <laughs> is not my mother. <laughs> um, and at the time, she didn't have kids. So I'm like, she don't even have kids. So that's where the whole God, ma, God, gotcha. son thing okay. came from. So yeah, we've known each other for a really, really, really long time. But they're definitely like the most powerful mentors any actor, creator mm -hmm. could yeah. have. They're amazing people. And they always walk in integrity. And that's why I love those people. I love y'all, man. That's dope. That's awesome. Yeah. That's. I feel so. Oh my empowered. god! I feel so. I feel. I feel, like I feel so empowered yeah, and warm feel, inside. Really and, oh my gosh! I feel really good about it. <laughs> <laughs> no, for real. Um. Oh, I have another question. <laughs> sure. Um. When you're doing, uh, obviously Broadway and just shows and stuff like that. Yeah. What is it like? having some actors or, or uh, just people, like really, really famous people coming and wanting to meet you after seeing your show, like asking, hey, can I, you know, come backstage and let me let me talk to this guy really quickly. And then you you look up to these people, like what is that no, like? Is that like is, a surreal yeah. it moment? Is, it's a surreal moment because, I mean, you know, some people, some people just want the accolades, but I've always felt like, and it's a weird thing to say, but I've always felt like these are my peers. Mm -hmm. yeah. I always felt like I just want to be on the field with y'all. And so to have, you know, some of, and this is, it really started like around Fences, mm -hmm. definitely around Motown. Mm -hmm. And like, it's crazy with Hamilton. But to have some of the people you respect their work and you respect their contribution in the world, mm -hmm. to come up to you and, and talk to you about your work is a, it's a surreal experience, man. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's sobering. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's really sobering. I think also, what happens for people that's always on their grind, you got to take a moment to be grateful, man. You're not where you used to be. And I feel like being in Hamilton, there are these moments where somebody will come on stage and I'll be like, oh my, like I, I really respect your work so much. And they'll be like, no, no, listen, I respect your work. You, you know, you blah, 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 blah. It's in those moments where I go, wow, God, it's not about making it. We're walking in it now. Yeah. Yeah. Now we're walking in it. These are my peers. These are the people that I respect and they respect me too. Mm -hmm. and, and we're all out here trying to do good work. So yes, it's 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 a humbling experience, man. That's I'm so, sure. Yeah. I'm sure. And it's not even just in in the arts. There are people that I respect in media, in journalism. There are people that I respect in politics. You know, I met Kaepernick. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? We chopped it up for like a good 15, 20 minutes. Like yeah. so, so there are there's some amazing people in the world. And when you have a platform to meet these people, like it's it to me, life is a mirror. Yeah, I really believe that life is a mirror. And when you start to look at your life and go, wow it's really reflecting what's on the inside of you. Yeah. And I, and so meeting them has, is also, to me, uh, a tribute to the work I've been doing on myself, mm -hmm. the growth, the spiritual growth, the personal growth, and yeah. now it's being reflected outside of me. But I feel like that kind of thing started happening on the inside first. That's dope. That's really cool. I mean, just ugh, everything you're saying is just, it resonates. It really yeah. resonates oh, with me, and That's I'm sure it's up. gonna resonate with, with all of our guests. I hope so. Um, I know so. Put it out in the universe. Gotta put it out in the universe. Yeah, put it out there. So um, we have enough time for maybe one or two questions because we want to have make sure you're on time. Yeah, we, yeah. we definitely want to make sure you're on time. Yeah, can't be um, late. So I, I don't know, Brandon, if, if you have a last question before I kind of like round it out. You you have one. I, I got one more because I'm just gonna keep asking questions. I got mad questions. All right, so you you do one, and then I'm gonna be like, all right, last question. <laughs> Let's go. <Bet. laughs> um, my question is, it's really simple. What is the biggest, 
quote-unquote air quotes for those that are listening, letdown that has turned into the biggest blessing? The biggest letdown that has turned into the biggest blessing. That I didn't, that I didn't get it when I wanted it. Mm-hmm. Mm. I think that the kind of platform that I've always wanted, the kind of um, fame and money and influence that I've always wanted, I'm so thankful that I didn't get it when I wanted it. Mm-hmm. And so I spent so many years struggling, living in LA with a sweet potato in my refrigerator. Mm-hmm. My homegirl coming over and going, what you eat today? Nothing. What you eating later? It's only a sweet potato in here. I'm eating that sweet potato. You know, mm-hmm. it's like it's like I'm so thankful for that time because what happens when you get older is what success means changes, man. Yeah. It changes. And there are so many people that I've met along with amazing celebrities um, who are so unhappy and hollow. I've met some of the richest people, some of the most influential people that are suicidal. Mm. I've met some of the most powerful people who would give it all up to be happy, to would give it all up to you know feel fulfilled. And so for me, I feel like the, the biggest letdown at the time was why am I grinding so hard mm-hmm. and I'm not seeing any results? Yeah. And what I realized was that time was a blessing because that time was building me. Mm-hmm. So that when the opportunities come, like right now, I f- almost feel like I got the Midas touch. Like everything I touch is like opening, like the doors are opening, like it's turning yeah. to gold. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I'm so grateful because I'm not moved by the doors opening. I'm moved by the purpose on the other side of the door. Yeah. And that wasn't always where I was. Yeah. I was chasing the thing, and now I feel like the thing is chasing me. But I think it's because I didn't get it when I wanted it. Yeah. I was able to grow. I was able to mature. Because if you if I got it then, I would have squandered it. I would have destroyed it. I would have given it to people that don't deserve it. Mm-hmm. I would have um, looked over people that do. I would have, it would have been all about me and all about what I got from it. And, and, and it would have been a waste of a life and a waste of talent. Yeah. And now I realize that that although it was a letdown at the time, and I thought, man, I'll never maybe I'll never get what I really really want. Mm-hmm. I'm actually glad now. So for those of you out there, you know who feel like I've been doing this, I've been doing this. While you're fo- focusing on grinding on what you do, also focus on being the best you. Yeah. Because when the time comes and the doors open, you don't have time. You just mm-hmm. gotta go and you just gotta do. So if it's anything small from like, I keep saying I'm going to get back in the gym. I keep saying I'm going to eat right. I keep saying I'm going to, you know, walk in my spiritual practice and pray more and focus more. I keep saying like, I'm not going to smoke every day. I'm going to just smoke every other day. I'm going to just drink every other day. Whatever it is that you've been saying that you need to work on for yourself, Mm -hmm. do that work now. Because when the door opens, it's going to be go time. And, and, And the habits and those little chinks in your armor, those weaknesses, those will be the very things that destroy you. I always say it like if I'm walking on the sidewalk, right, Mm -hmm. and my my shoe is untied and I like trip and fall, I might twist my ankle. I might scrape my knee. If I'm on a mountaintop where I'm trying to go, if I'm up there and I do the same little mistake, it's over. It's over. And we see it happen time and time again with so many celebrities. It's that one small thing that if you would have got that part of you in check before, Mm-hmm. We wouldn't be having an issue publicly right now. Yeah, and I feel like it's if you have not, you know, if you haven't received the level of notoriety, success, or visibility, I'm telling you, it's a blessing. Work on your weaknesses now, so that when you get to the place where the light is shined on you, you've worked all of that out. I always say creation happens in the dark. Yeah, once you turn the light on, we're now seeing what's been worked on. 
So yeah. do or what's been created. So like do the work. Do the work now. Work on yourself. Work on your craft. So that when it's time, boom, we can we can you know we can benefit from what you got to offer. You have so many bars in this interview. Bars. I'm bars. getting bars. bars. Mad bars in this interview <laughs> Mad right bars. So my last question uh, before we uh, end this is, what can we expect from you? And also, what can we expect from your character in Empire? You know what's crazy? I, my answer to the first question is the same as my second. I don't even know. And it's such an, it's such an amazing feeling. Before, we terrifying. I have... I'm, I'm feeling like the dream that I had in high school, I'm living right now. Mm. I'm literally, my dream in high school was to be seen in all different facets of, of the arts. I always want, wanted to act on television and be on Broadway. Mm -hmm. I always wanted to record music and write for other artists. So like at this point, I'm like, I've written for Mary J. Blige. I've, I've, I'm writing for Jesse, like, and I'm working on my music. I'm on TV yeah. and Broadway, literally at sometimes at the same time. Yeah. Um, I'm doing everything from commercials to movies. Like, mm -hmm. this is cool. That was the high school dream. Yeah. This dream that I'm having now, I haven't seen anybody do it before. Mm -hmm. And it's scary. Yeah. Because what I see in my head, I don't have an example of in front. I have versions. If I could, like, combine, like, Oprah, Shonda Rhimes, Will Smith, J.J. Abrams, and kind of mash them together, mm -hmm. that's kind of what it looks like. But I don't have an example of it. Yeah. I don't have a yeah. full example of it, right? So so look forward to greatness, but look forward to something unique. Mm -hmm. And I'm excited about that. When it comes to Empire, um, that's going to be interesting because I know that they it, it was just announced on Deadline that, mm -hmm. that the writer's room is, is going through a revamp, mm -hmm. that there's a hiatus that's happening, and the writer's room is revamping the whole second half of season four. So with that said, I don't know exactly what that's going to look like, but mm -hmm. I'll just say this. I'm loving the show. I'm loving the people that work on the show. Mm -hmm. Fox is doing that thing. Empire is doing that thing. And so I'm excited to see what this next half of the season holds. And hopefully I'll be a part of it. All right. There you go, folks. There you go. Uh, Brian, can't thank you enough. Yes. Words of wisdom. Thank you so um, much. Your ascension was is, is amazing. We especially appreciate you stopping doing the show right now in Hamilton. Yeah, as stopping you're about to go and, and, yeah, to and do then, Hamilton, and then, like and then what? come meeting with us and then going to do another show. So we appreciate you yeah. uh, taking I just time. Out. Get some Chinese food on the way up. Just you know, <laughs> eat backstage. <laughs> <laughs> we appreciate you. So yeah, uh, sure. again, once again, uh, I'm Brandon Kilbeach Hall. I'm Aaron Ashley Simon. And you listen to another Grassroots with my good guy Brian. Hey. Yo.